Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What up, what up, what up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Tuesday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by... Tequila Embajador. Uh, by the way, happy birthday to Damon Cotton, our great producer. Uh, if you happen to call the show today, be sure to uh, wish uh, Damon a happy birthday. Also, happy traveling and happy vacation uh, to our guy Q Myers, uh, who is headed to Hawaii. He's going to Maui, right? That's where he's going, right, Damon? I believe so. And yeah. the birthday was on the 15th. Okay. Belated happy birthday. Belated happy birthday uh, to Damon Cotton. Uh, that was Sunday, right? So, we, you know, we, 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 we work in space here. It doesn't have to be the exact day for crying out loud. Happy birthday. Take your uh, birthday wishes uh, as, as uh, pleasantly as they were given. Uh, but sorry about that. Anyway, uh, if you have any suggestions for Q on a sports bar to get to in Maui, because you know he's got to watch his Warriors in the playoffs. He's going for, I think, a week uh, to Hawaii. Uh, so he needs to sneak away at some point to go watch the Warriors play. And I think those games start at, if they're 7 o'clock games here, that's 4 o'clock uh, in Hawaii. So he's got to get an early start uh, there. So send, send Q some suggestions on where the best places are, uh, NBA bars maybe in, in Maui, to go watch uh, the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals against the Dallas Mavericks. You knew that the Warriors were going to get it back at some point when they got uh, healthy and they got all their guys back, uh, and that's exactly where they are. Now, can they beat the Dallas Mavericks? Um, We'll see. I think they do. I think they do that in six games. I think the Miami Heat take care of business in seven games. That's my predictions for the NBA Finals. We've got a great show for you today. I'm asking a couple of questions uh, as we barrel toward the meat of the Raiders offseason right now in their offseason program. Uh, I think they're in or they're about to ready to get into phase three or they're phase three-ish, uh, but pretty soon there's going to be a mini camp in June. Uh, they're going to be in the phase three uh, part of it where they can actually get out uh, on the grass and practice, do 11-on-11 type stuff. No hitting, of course. Uh, there rarely is any hitting until the games actually, actually start, uh, but they're able to, to line up offense against defense, number ones against number ones and do some seven on the seven and nine on seven uh, and, and, and uh, 11 on 11. So getting an idea now of what this team looks like, at least on the grass. Uh, and that's the next step uh, in the process. But we're asking these questions um, specifically on two sides. Well, one question in particular, what are the realistic expectations for the Raiders' defense. Um, I think they've made some improvements. I think there's some intriguing young players uh, in the building right now that can take step forwards. Uh, Divine Diablo, Nate Hobbs, um, uh, Trevon Morig, the young safety. Three, I thought, hard hits. Let's put it that way, that the Raiders got in last year's draft. Nate Hobbs, to me, was a sensation uh, in the slot. Uh, I thought that Trayvon Morig, as the year went on, just got better and better, and he w- he looked smooth and uh, ready to go and like he belonged from the get-go. Yeah, there were a couple of moments. I mean, that's going to happen for any rookie, uh, but I thought that he established himself as a viable starting free safety in the NFL. That is a check-that-box-off, check-off slot cornerback, because Nate Hobbs, I think, has got that thing secured for a while. Divine Diablo, one of the linebacker spots I felt like coming into – 
um, the second half of the season when he started making a really hard charge at Corey Littleton for that starting job. I thought when he was inserted uh, as a starting linebacker, I thought the Raiders' run defense tightened up a little bit. He was really aware, really um, decent in that area. Uh, and I think the pass coverage is going to come along because that was his strength in college as a former safety who was making the move to linebacker. I think the pass coverage is going to continue to, uh, to to get better. That said, they're making a switch uh, in base defense from a 4-3 to a 3-4. There's going to be plenty of mixing and matching along the way. Uh, they've had to re- completely retool outside of Jonathan Hankins in the interior of the defensive line. So that's going to be a little bit of a a work in progress throughout the year. Uh, Who are they going to be the starting safeties? Not quite sure right now about Trayvon Mullins' status. Uh, Obviously, he had the surgery a couple of weeks ago. Where does that leave him in the whole equation? Rock Yassin, who they traded for, uh, got uh, from the Indianapolis Colts for Unique Ngakwe. Is he going to establish himself uh, as a day one solidified starter? Do the Raiders go out and go get a James Bradbury? Uh, There's a lot of still, um, I think, some tinkering left to do. you got a new defensive coordinator in Patrick Graham. The question is, though, for a defense that actually did make some improvements last year, going from giving up 29.9 points per game to, I think, 25.9, 26, it wasn't a dramatic improvement, but it was good enough. Uh, And certainly down the stretch, the defense played a lot better and got more consistently and tightened it up to help an offense that at that point was struggling a little bit without Henry Ruggs. Uh, Losing uh, Darren Waller for a long period of time, that defense had to step up. I think they did. Again, it wasn't a dramatic turnaround, but it was good enough for the Raiders to be able to competently take the field knowing that the defense wasn't going to give up 35, 40 points every single game like they had done the year before. So that little improvement of about four points was really the difference in them winning 10 games and making the playoffs. But I think they need more. They need to improve more. Can they? Will they? What are your expectations uh, for this defense going into 2022? Give us a call, 702-365-9200. Also, also, what's the starting offensive line going to look like? I know a a lot of Raider fans uh, are are worried about that uh, position group, and based on what happened last year, there's it's warranted to to be concerned about the offensive line. But there's there's some reasons also to be encouraged. You know, there was a lot of new along the offensive line last year. You had a new center, you had a new left guard, you had a new right guard, you had a new right tackle. And in the case of the two guard positions, and really as it turned out, the tackle position. It turned out that there were second options at those positions. Remember, Richie Incognito was supposed to be one guard. Denzel Good was supposed to be the other. Uh, that never happened except for Denzel Good playing one half of the season opener last year. O- outside of that, after that, they had to go to plan B at their guard positions and then plan B at their right tackle position. There's a lot. There was a lot of new going on and a lot of new players and young players that were trying to get it together and trying to figure it out and trying to get their feet set and their legs underneath them uh, in a very rapid fashion and having to perform like right now. And while there were struggles, no doubt about it, there's something to be said about the growth aspect uh, that that it provided some of those young players. And th- there's there's reasons to believe that some of those guys are going to get better and be better off for the experience of last year. So uh, I wouldn't be in a rush to write some guys off. It's a 
and Dave Ziegler has talked about this uh, often uh, in our in our in our chats. It's a transitional development position, the offensive line, especially going from college to the NFL. And there was a lot that got thrown at a lot at a lot of young players last year along the offensive line, and there were some inevitable struggles. There were also some bright spots um, if you look hard enough, and there were. And it's something to build on. So we'll see, um, you know, if if some of those players benefited from the experience of last year. But my question, and if you could give us a call at 702-365-9200, where do you think and how do you think that starting five, um, what direction is it going to take and who is it going to be? I have my thoughts. I'll share them uh, with you, but I want your thoughts as well. We're going to get to uh, the Realty One Group listener line in just one second. But before we do, just want to let everyone know that this half of the huddle, of In the Huddle, is sponsored by the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. There's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Uh, Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. We all deserve that. Please call them, 702-257-7246. My last question of the day, and we're going to also get into this in um, uh, overturned or not. Does a call stand or is it overturned? ESPN just recently, I think today or yesterday, came out with their power index uh, of all 32 NFL teams, and the Raiders uh, were ranked number 13. I I'm not necessarily against uh, or opposed to where to to the to the number slot that they are. I do have an issue with some of the teams that were ranked ahead of them. We'll get into that, and I want your thoughts. Is 13 fair or not, especially when you start looking at some of the teams that are ahead of them, the Minnesota Vikings, the uh, Tennessee Titans, the Chargers. Um, there was one other team that really stood out to me uh, that the Raiders had beaten last year. I'll, I'll, i got to check that list again. And I'm like, you know, oh, the Baltimore Ravens. Do you think that the Baltimore Ravens are a better team than the Las Vegas Raiders? Um, I don't know. I, I actually think that the Raiders might be better than the than the Baltimore Ravens, especially after the Ravens, you know, traded one of their one of their better wide receivers, Devon Cotton, real quick. Thirteen on the index, and you and and when you see the Tennessee Titans and you see the Minnesota Vikings and you see the uh, Baltimore Ravens ahead of and the Denver Broncos too. That was another team that was a little bit conspicuous to me. The Denver Broncos, um, fair or not, at number thirteen, especially when you consider some of those teams that are ahead of them. Well, that would they would also rank eighth in the AFC. The only one that I would say got to put them ahead of are the Denver Broncos who were 12th right and if they're going to be 13th but then let's say that that makes them seventh in the AFC another thing that people don't put into account is that we, everyone's been saying that this AFC West it's going to be one mm-hmm. of the hardest divisions that we've ever seen in the NFL this coming season right some that means that there's going to be some winners there's going to be some losers and they also have to play the NFC West so some teams may have easier schedules so I don't know if they're basing this power rankings off just who they think are going to I be I don't the, think so yeah. I think it's I think it's roster and all that type of stuff I think that they're I think that the ESPN anyway I don't I think there's a win probability and all that that's based on schedule like with the Vegas Lions and everything like that but I think this is just where they really truly believe based on the um, rosters based on what they've done and who their quarterbacks are this is where they slot one to 32 all right so if you were ranking the teams in the eight because i what i really think if it's 13 and i said let's say for the sake of these rankings i would put them 12th ahead of the broncos i would just flip-flop those two spots there if the raiders are the 12th best team in the nfl i don't think that's a slight at all neither do i neither do i actually uh i do have you know we could quibble on some of the teams that are ahead of them of course 
But 13 should get them, you know, and if they can get a little bit high, I think that they could be a top 10 team. I think they could be a top 10 team in the NFL. Uh, and as our guy, you were you were out sick last week uh, when Dobie Raid or Slava Ukraine uh, tweeted me or, or, or DM'd me. This is what he said. Even if the Raiders went 1-5 in their division this year, let's just say for argument's sake they went 1-5. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say it did. And and they lose to the Rams and Titans, okay? If they beat the Patriots, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Steelers, the 49ers, the Cardinals, the Texans, the Jags, and the Colts, they'll still win 10 games. I, I mean, I think that, I don't think they're going to go 1-5, but even if, the like you said, the AFC West could be disastrous, right? It's going to be a dog-eat-dog division. And it's going to be a treacherous road. And I say that for all four teams against whoever they're playing. But even if in, in one of the worst case scenarios that they went one and five, there's still a path for them to be able to navigate their way to 10 wins and a potential playoff uh, spot. So, um, you know, you, you can definitely look at it that way. I think the Raiders, um, I, I, I think they're a three and three maybe in the AFC. If they go three and three, I think it, I, that's not the worst thing to happen if they go three and three in the AFC West. Oh, it's not the worst thing that could happen. I honestly think that they're going to do better than three and three. I think that they'll split four with the, two. Yeah, I think they'll split with the Chargers and the Chiefs, and I think that they'll continue that um, winning streak of sweeping the Broncos. So four, and if they go four and two in the AFC West, that's going to bode pretty well. I think that'll bode really, really well. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation, or the, excuse me, the Realty One Group listener line because Raider Dave is in Denver, who the who Demond Cotton. Uh, believes that the Raiders are going to sweep the Denver Broncos this year. I'm not ruling it out either. Raider Dave in Denver, what you say? Oh, they'll definitely sweep them. Um, hey, happy birthday to Cotton. I mean, Clay was last week. Mine was last week. Cotton. So when I get to Vegas, we're all three going to have a, a round of drinks. You know, Let's do there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, give me a little bit of a moment here. I want to hit all your questions, my opinion on the top 13, and then uh, drive it back you know, uh, to me to uh, – give your comment and i want to i want to be able to expound on what you say here uh positionally i'm not going to go ahead and name names about who's going to be where but i will say this in watching all the film last year um, trayvon merrick played 27 yards off the line of scrimmage that's going to change i really think he's going to be able to move up i don't think they're good this coaching regime is going to want him back that far and he should be able to play a little closer to the line of scrimmage after a year of experience now, as far as the offensive line goes, I think one of the things that all of Raider Nation is going to get as a Christmas present here for the 22 season is a screen game. And that's going to mean that some of the players that are going to be guards on this offensive line or tackles that can move are going to be guys who are more athletic and can get to that second level. Part of the problem why Jacobs didn't get 100 yards a game is because the guards were not getting to the linebackers to go ahead and move them off so that uh, Jacobs could go ahead and, and scamp for five, six yards before he got hit. So that's going to be a big deal, too, is the mobility of the offensive line, the screen game, and the, uh, the result of these running backs getting more yardage before they get hit. Um, as far as uh, the uh, rankings or whatever, yeah, 13 seems a little auspicious, especially since the Raiders were number five going into the playoffs last year. They were the number one wild card team. So the only way they get better is to win to the division. And with the infighting that's going to be going on in this division, I don't know if any of the records are going to be high enough to where the AFC West has a great chance of having the AFC title game go through any of the teams in the AFC West. 
Here's something to think about, too. When the Raiders play the Chargers at the start of the year, if Raider Nation thinks that the Raiders are going to win that game, which I do, that's going to put the Chargers foaming at the mouth to go against the Chiefs, which could beat the Chiefs and start a 2-4 and four start to the Chiefs' season. If that happens, the only two big losses, I think, that are out there for the Chiefs would be the Bengals and I believe it's the Rams that they play later in the season. But if the, if the Chiefs go 2-4 and four to start the season, this last game of the year will be for the uh, NFC West. I'm sorry, for the AFC West. I like your thinking, uh, Raider Dave, um, and, and, and certainly, and I, I, I'm with you on the run game. Uh, I actually think that this offensive line, I think there's going to be some, some changes. I think there will be some surprises probably. Maybe one of the rookies wins a starting job. Um, you know, they'll get it figured out is what I'm saying. And they're going to get, as uh, Josh McDaniels has talked about, uh, they're going to they're gonna get their best five, uh, the, the, you know, out there, uh, the best five offensive linemen group out there. And I think it's going to benefit everybody, and I think it's going to truly benefit the running game. Uh, and I think the screen game is definitely something uh, that, that is going to be back in existence here with the Raiders for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's it's been short uh, and, uh, and, you know, in supply as far as a weapon that they've used. But even when they did use it a couple of times, it, it, it did well. So I'm not quite sure why they didn't do more of it. Maybe they didn't feel like they had the athletic ability that they need on the offensive line to get it done. But I think that Josh McDaniels and what he likes to do, he's going to insist that uh, there are capable offensive line uh, men to pull off uh, a screen game. And I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see the Raiders uh, dipping into that uh, more and more. So, uh, But I love love the thoughts and I love the call, Raider Dave uh, in Denver. Truly appreciate it. Back out to the Realty One Group listener line because Raider Rick is in Oakland. How you doing, Raider Rick? Hey, Vinny. How's it going? I'm really good, thank you. How you doing? Hey, I'm just calling to touch on your uh, questions here. The... Uh... The offensive line, what I'd like to see the starting line. It's Colton Miller. That's no no doubt. It's right. Miller on the left. Um, a left guard. I would like to see Andre James move to left guard and put Parham in at center. That would, I think, that would be a solid move, especially since Parham he's versatile and he's played center before. He's faster, I think. And then probably move Leatherwood to guard, right guard, leave him there, and then Denzel good at right tackle. I think that would be a pretty solid offensive line right there. I hear you. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think Dylan Parham could have some center uh, in his future, but I but I just wonder if he beats out Andre James, if the um, the, the next move would be moving Andre James to a position that he hasn't played. Um, he's played yeah. tackle. I know he's taken some snaps, like in practice uh, at guard. I would imagine anyway. Um, but that would be something that I would be a little bit uh, uh, concerned with. I think that if I were if 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 I were to pick it right now. Colton Miller, Denzel Good, Andre James. I'm, I, I don't know. I have this weird feeling that Alex Leatherwood still might get a shot uh, at, at at tackle, and maybe maybe Denzel's the the right guard in that scenario, and John Simpson stays at left guard, or Dylan Parham beats him out and is the left guard. So here's what I'll say: I think that eventually it's going to be Colton Miller, Dylan Parham, Andre James, Denzel Good, and. Um, Alex Leatherwood, but Alex Leatherwood also could play right guard and maybe, you know, they, they figure out what's going to happen at right tackle, but, uh, it's, it's still like, you know, and it's, it's so not that it's confusing, but there's so many kind of balls in the air, uh, and so many opportunities for guys to, 
show that, hey, no, this is my position. You know, Alex Leatherwood still has a chance to show that, hey, he, he could be a capable right tackle, uh, and that's the position that the Raiders drafted him for, and that's what he's going to play, and that's what he's going to end up being. But he might not show that, at least to this staff. And so maybe right guard um, is is the future for him. But they have options, and I think that they've you know created some competition uh, with some of the guys that they've brought in and some of the uh, draft picks that they've that they uh, added as well. And I'm not ruling out also. I think I think the next couple of weeks, uh, especially after June, uh, the June minicamp, I think are, are important because if the Raiders obviously don't make any moves along the offensive line, then they feel pretty good about their offensive line coming out of minicamp. All right, so. Um, that's going to be a great opportunity for these guys to say, no, we're the guys that are going to get it done here. However you want to draw it up, whatever guys you want to put in whatever positions, the answers are right here in this building. And I think that's uh, what this group has a chance to prove over this next month or so, or not. Because if they get through minicamp, and they're not real confident that they have all the answers that they need, then I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think it's, it would be inevitable at that point that they go out and make a move. So um, these, this next month or so is pretty big for the guys and the players uh, that are out there uh, competing to show and to prove that they're part of, and they, they, they can, that group can get the job done in a way that, doesn't leave the Raiders and the Raiders decision makers thinking we need to go make another move. We need to bring somebody in here uh, to give us, create a little bit more of a comfort level. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Back out to the Realty One Group listener line because Guarab is on the line. How you doing, Guarab? Hello. Hey, Guarab. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, yeah. Um, I was just thinking. You're talking about the offensive line. Knowing what we know about the offensive line from last year, and you know, and its troubles that it had. If, if like. Because personally, I I still think I'd feel much more comfortable if we get ourselves a veteran right tackle in the mix with this offensive line. But if this offensive line does not work, knowing what we us fans know from last year, what would you think of this coaching staff if this all fails? Well, um, first of all, I don't think it's going to fail. As bad as the Raiders' offensive line was last year, think about it. You guys still won 10 games and made the playoffs and pushed the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals to uh, the brink of overtime and, and, and the playoffs. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a complete failure. Let's let's just get that out of the way. It wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, and there were some really, um, you know, individually some rough patches for some really young players, but it wasn't a complete failure. failure. And I, I think it's only going to get better from here. So uh, complete failure, I think you can set that aside. That's I don't believe that's going to happen. Even if they come back completely intact with the same players playing the same positions, I think it'll still be good enough uh, to get the Raiders where they want to go to. Now, obviously, the biggest goal the, is to get better, is to just get better. And when, you know, I, I, I took – 
a lot of today thinking about this and going through it and looking at tape and all of that type of stuff. All right. And here's the thing. There was so uh, there was an incredible amount of new last year, like like they things that the Raiders never planned for or accounted for. All right. The plan that they had going into the season blew up in their face before the first game even started. And then it got worse after the first half of the first game. They were counting on having two veteran guards flanking Andre James and um, and to the inside of Alex Leatherwood. Okay, so they're the the two newest players on their team, the, the the two new starters on their offensive line, Andre James at center was going to be flanked by Denzel Good and Richie Incognito. And the new starting right tackle was going to play alongside a veteran in Denzel Good. All right? That was And none of that came to fruition because of injuries. So you threw a bunch of new guys, more new guys than the Raiders anticipated, um, together after the first half of the first game and did the best you could from that point on. I think it, I, I, it, it would have been... Um, not illogical, but I think it would be it would have been really ambitious to think that that would have been a seamless transition, that there would have been no growing pains, that everything would have been hunky-dory. That would have been great if that was the case, but obviously it wasn't, and it was unrealistic to expect that to be the case. So whatever you saw last year, I think you have to put that in perspective and put it into context. It was a throw-it-together-on-the-fly as the backup plan to what the plan was going into the season. The good news is, and you know, talking to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and those guys, they appreciate this part of it. And for experienced football uh, people, this doesn't go uh, unnoticed or shouldn't be understated. The experience gain for guys like John Simpson, Andre James, Alex Leatherwood, even when you're talking about some of the bad experiences, some of the learning curves, some of the mistakes, some of the failures that you go back on film and look at and correct and get better from, even that was beneficial in the whole scheme of things. And when you watched the Raiders play last year, when you look at Alex Leatherwood and you look at John Simpson uh, and Andre James, um, even some of the struggles, some of their, some of the, um, you know, not so good moments. To me, they're all correctable. Like I think that they're gonna get better from it and uh, take step forwards this year. So I, I, I don't think that it's gonna be a complete failure uh, at all. Uh, so we'll, 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 we'll see how that all goes. But we're gonna go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of the show, Bill Williamson. Sorry, Bill, I was going off on a little bit of a tangent there on the offensive line. Bill Williamson, who covers the Raiders for SB Nation. How you doing, my friend? Hey, what's happening? Go ahead, tangent away. Well, well and, I'll, and I'll ask you this. I, I'm going to get to your piece today about the defense and, you know, what kind of improvements uh, can the Raiders expect. But let's talk about the offensive line. You know, Bill, it's easy to get caught up in, you know, some of the bad things that happened last year and some of the struggles that happened last year. But at the same time, if we put it into context and perspective, Again, I keep using this term, but there was a lot of new on that offensive line. They knew that there was going to be new, but then it got even newer one half into the first half, into the first game of the year when they had to go to plan B at a couple of different positions. I think it was almost inevitable that there were going to be some uh, a learning curve and some rough patches, but I don't think it's uh, out of line to expect that a lot of those guys are going to get better and be better for that experience. Yeah, 
Yeah, certainly that's the hope. Yeah, I mean, last year, the things that stood out going into the year about the offensive line was how staunch Gruden and Mayock were about it, it was going to work, and they didn't make downplay the the newness and everything about it. They they you know they said that's the way it's going to be, and that's what happened, and it's going to work out. So they're, they ex- had high expectations, but also it was pretty clear that this unit could not afford to get injured. Right. And it did. And it did early. And, and you worried about that with Incognito because they, they were, they were, you know, gambling on him a bit because mm-hmm. he missed so much time the year before. And now, you know, he misses the entire year. So now it's kind of new again, right? Because it's a new philosophy, new offensive line coach. I think the former offensive line coach, Tom Cable had a lot of influence on his group. Um, I don't know what's going to be this year. I would think Josh McGann is going to have more influence on it than, you know, his position coach. Um, but it's all the same philosophy, so it's not that big a deal. Um, but and they brought in some they brought in some guys as well. So I just think it's all a work in progress. I think it's a continued work in progress from the changes of last off season. So the good thing for this this brass is it's a clean slate for them, and they could put the philosophy on it. So in the Reality last year really doesn't matter, you know. I mean, you, you do get, you do have guys with more experience now with Jim Simpson and Leatherwood, and let's see if they can translate. But again, it's to a new system, so you know. Again, I think it's a, a, a work in progress and a question mark going into this year, just like it was last year for different reasons. Bill, would you be surprised if one of the uh, rookie offensive linemen started this year? No, 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 no. Because it's the new system, you know. These guys, these guys aren't bringing in their guys to. They're, they're bringing them into play. I think that goes for every system, you know. And and and, you know, Josh McDaniels is very much a guy who's a, a system guy and very much believes in guys who fit the system. That's why we've seen some veterans that we may not have guessed w- would be off the roster this year, um, you know, in January, but because he feels like he got system upgrades. So I can see that system upgrade being, you know, at a guard as well for, you know, just for starting a position to start at. Okay. Dylan Parham, does he start, do you think? Yeah, why not? I, so. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And yeah, he, where, where do you, where do you, pen, where does Bill Williamson pencil in Dylan Parham right now? You know, I don't know if it's going to be right or left. I don't know if it matters. I mean, if I had to guess the offensive line, it would be, you know, the, it would be you know, obviously Miller and James at their spots. Just maybe a stupid guess, maybe a smart guess, but it's just a guess. And um, I go, I go Leatherwood at right tackle. I just, there just seems to be hints there, you know. I got a feeling um, that that's what's going to happen too. Yeah, for at least they're going to start. Because Justin Daniels said, I think he said it in Indy. Uh, he may have said it in uh, in Florida. But anyways, he said that, you know, that we know where he was drafted. And, and we're conscious of that. And then they go out and they get a guy who put up to the, you know, their first offense, their first pick in the draft is an interior offensive lineman. So I, that just kind of leads you to think that's where Leatherwood may be heading out, you know, to right tackle. And then I would say, my guess, and I'll go Parham and, and Simpson at the guard positions. There you go. And you, when you watch Parham, I know he's making the transition, obviously, from college to the NFL. There will be a learning curve for him. But you know what jumped out at me, Bill? 
the athletic ability. And you can see he's the type of athlete at that position if he sticks at guard, even at center, but let's just say guard, uh, that you could do some interesting things with um, in the screen game, in the sweep game, uh, in certain things, using him as uh, somebody that can get out in space and get out to that next level, wherever that next level might be. Uh, to, to sort of lead the charge type of a guy. I don't know if you've looked at the film on him as well or agree or not, but your thoughts on, on Dylan Parham, what you've seen on film. Look, at he, he played well against good competition. He, he did he did well in the senior bowl. I think he, that's a position that if you're picked at number 90, you know, I don't know if you're going to expect a guy to come out and be a, an instant standout, as a rookie, but uh, guards are, are guys you can get in the third round. That's my point. So I wouldn't be too worried about it always oh, being rushed. I think you can get a guard and, and get him in there. And, you know, and obviously hopefully get better second year. Again, I go back to system. He's been compared to guys that's played for McDaniels in the past, like Jack Mason, and I think these guys look for their types of guys, so they're comfortable with them. And then you always give coaching staff the, uh, a benefit of the doubt they get guys who they think it fits their system. So let's see. Am I expecting him to be a, a, a you know, a all pro in second year? Oh, I don't know. But if he's a solid starter, that's a pretty good value at number 90. You're darn right. And we're talking to Bill Williamson. He covers the Raiders for SB Nation. You can follow him, and I always suggest this, uh, at B. Williamson uh, NFL. Bill, you wrote a nice piece uh, over on SB Nation, um, and it was in regards to the Raiders um, eliminating a little bit of a nasty habit that they've had in these last few years. Why don't you take it away from there? What's the habit? that the Raiders need to stop immediately or as, as, as quickly as possible. You're talking about this morning's at the defensive deal? Yes. Yeah, let me uh, let me get the uh, inspiration. Of Paul Gutierrez's tweet. I always get inspired by people. Of course. The Raiders have, uh, and this is from ESPN stats, the Raiders have ranked in the bottom half of the league in scoring defense for 19 straight years. It's the longest streak in the NFL since the merger. That's not that's good. That's a problem, right? Yes. That's a, That's not just a little bugaboo. That's a. That's a thing, and you know, nineteen straight years. What? That, that's never. That's since they went to the Super Bowl. So um, you got to get better. You can't. You can't just let the guy, the other guys score. I mean, we've seen the Raiders have some decent scoring offense over the you know recent years, and but the defense has been a problem, and so that's the real a goal of. Patrick Graham is to, to improve in this area immediately, and it's it's it, you know it, it's very rudimentary because it's just it's simple scoring, but they just ha- can't they can't keep expecting to win shootouts, and that's just an ugly stat, and it's just, it needs to it needs to change. And what's so interesting about that is even though they didn't make a dramatic uh, improvement last year, but going from twenty nine point nine points per game given up in twenty twenty one to about twenty five point nine. Uh, and that's not good enough, but you know that's what it was. But to me, that just that just that in itself helped greatly the Raiders win ten games and get to the playoffs. They needed the defense to step up, and sometimes it was the opponents that they were playing and the Cleveland Browns with a backup backup quarterback. Uh, but the, the the defense got the job done a few times down the stretch, and that was the difference in them making the playoffs. So if you can improve even more so. From that four-point switch to another maybe four-point switch, how much of a difference can that make with this type of an offense? No, two or three more wins, right? Uh, another, yeah, another four-point 
improvement would be big. I, you know, it's really, last year was so fascinating for so many reasons, and one of the big storylines going into the year. And this doesn't matter. This is just talking because he's gone. But Judge Bradley did a pretty good job. Yes, he did. And, you know, so much was expected from his, from him. And he delivered for the most part. It wasn't perfect, but nope. he got better and, and had the John Gruden thing not happen. You know, obviously, Gruden would be there. Gus Bradley would be there, too, you know? And they'd be going into the system. So I thought it was, when they got Patrick Graham, I thought that was a pretty good continue. That was a pretty good get as far as, because Bradley is a top 10 defensive coordinator. I think everybody's comfortable saying that. And I think Graham is a top 10 defensive coordinator. Everybody's comfortable saying that. You can put those guys wherever you want. But I think, so they did well with getting it. Now it's a different defensive system, and now we've seen different defensive players come in and some go because of system. But you've got to see the same type, the same theme of, of improvement and, and coaching impact. Okay, so you mentioned the coaching, and I, I agree with you on both assessments. Patrick Graham and Josh McDaniels in terms of where they rank uh, on their sides of the ball, especially. Um, but do the Raiders, do you believe, have the necessary personnel uh, not only to you know absorb and digest what Patrick Graham uh, is going to be installing, but then go execute it at a high enough level to see some of the improvements that the Raiders probably need to see uh, to really penetrate this AFC West and this AFC uh, and get to the playoffs and beyond? I think defensively, scheme goes a long way. So I think, again, they weren't perfect last year, but they got better. So I don't think you need to have a team of all-stars. But with that said, I do think there are some strong pieces on this defense. It's not it's not super deep. They, they, they have to be healthy in the right spots. Defensive tackles have to do what they came in and be this ensemble piece that they expected to be. The, the linebackers need to step up and the young cornerbacks and, and, and safeties need to rise up. But, you know, they got some pieces. They got some spectacular pieces in the two pass rushes, right? I mean, top of the league. Yes. And I just think I think Max Crosby's just gonna get better and better and better. And I think he's gonna you know, I think he's gonna thrive in this system and I think he's an elite defensive player. I think Chandler Jones is an upper level defense player. He's thirty two, he has to stay healthy. Um you know, Morag is a guy I don't think we talk about enough. Um, he had a really good rookie year. Yes, he did. And he was just so steady, and and he made a lot of plays. And you know, he's a, those those analytics people love him. And um, I think he's a guy that can really grow under Patrick Graham. I, you know, safety not to worry if he's a perfect fit or not. He's he's going to be fine there. So there was a guy I'm expecting to maybe be another third impact guy. Nate Hobbs. Yeah, Hobbs. Hobbs is another really good player. So they got pieces there. They got probably more. They're getting deeper. Um, they just got to get. They got to stay healthy, and they and they also have to adjust quickly to the system. All right, Bill Williamson, um, your thoughts on cornerback? Uh, I think it's it's the only thing we can say right now about Trayvon Mullen is you got to put a question mark next to him. Uh, we don't know yeah. what the extent of the surgery was, what the timetable is, none of those things for um, his rehab, his availability, any of those things. You hope for the best, uh, but we'll see. So right now, a question mark. Rock Yassin, who they traded for um, in the Yannick uh, Ngakwe trade, uh, I think he is an ascending player, um, but we'll see. So cornerback, Nate Hobbs right now is the uh, is the one solidifying force uh, at slot cornerback. 
There's a veteran out there, a free agent by the name of James Bradbury, who I think makes a lot of sense for the Raiders. Uh, is that somebody that the Raiders uh, need to go get? Um, it wouldn't hurt him, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you just mentioned that you know, they could use him. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if the season's going to be lost because they don't get this guy. I think sometimes we overrate free agents, especially when there's only a couple of them out there at this time of year, you know. Um, so I don't know if it's, a, oh, my God, they have to get this guy, but if they have the money and there's obviously a, a, a fit there and familiarity there with Patrick Graham, it would certainly make sense. Um, again, I don't know if it's the exact, you know, absolute missing piece, but he would make them better and he would, you know, be at the top of their quarterback list. So I think you have to consider it. You know, this guy's been available for eight days now. And, you know, when I first wrote from my angle saying, hey, look at it makes sense, but kind of June, late June 1st and 2nd is the kind of bewitching hour for the Raiders. Well, that's only two weeks now. It's getting closer. And there hasn't been really anything reported about him. And you just wonder what's going on. So I think the Raiders' chances, and we know they're going to be interested, their chances are getting closer at each passing day. Because, you know, I wrote last week that established quarterbacks are popular at any point of the offseason. And there are teams that can fit him in. So the fact that it's been over a week now and he's still out there, I think that increases the Raiders' chances and it makes more sense that we're talking about it. I can't believe uh, we would be saying this right now, Bill Williamson, considering the business that we operate in. But, I mean, if you're a Raider fan, no news is good news right now when you're talking about James Bradbury. Uh, in any form or fashion, him going to visit anybody, him getting linked to anybody in a, in a major way, no news is good news because, as Bill Williamson just mentioned, there's that June 1st, really June 2nd, when it officially comes yeah. off the books, designation date where the go from being $5 million over the salary cap to all of a sudden $25 million over the salary cap. And guess what? That makes a big difference in situations like this. So, again... Uh, all quiet on the James Bradbury front, uh, and Bill Williamson, that's not a bad uh, thing right now, I would believe, uh, for the Raiders. But I, I just want to say thank you for spending some time with us in the huddle. Your presence is always welcome. You know that. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, take care of yourself, and we will talk to you down the line, my friend. All right, Vinny. Take care, man. Thanks. You too. That was Bill Williamson from SB Nation. Always brings the heat. We appreciate it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. on a Tuesday. Our thanks again to Bill Williamson. Uh, he always uh, brings the insight and the heat. He's been doing it a long time and uh, is one of the best at what he does, and we always appreciate uh, the time he gives us. By the way, it's your time to buy or sell a home, and the Realty One Group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Yes, the housing market is really hectic right now. Look at the prices. Uh, it's insane, but it's still a great time to either sell or buy the home of 
your dreams. And you'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done. Uh, and Realty One Group has got you covered. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know the transactions. And they know they can get this done for you. That's why they're there. That's why they're one of the very best at what they do. Uh, Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas, and it's been their home for more than 11 years. And that's really important, especially right now with the way the market uh, is unfolding. They've been opening doors for their clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives for more than a decade. They're also proud to give back to their community, donating their time and resources to make an impact, whether you are selling or buying Call Realty One Group today at 888-461-0101. The NBA playoffs uh, are getting ready to start. And uh, yesterday we talked about this, Devon Cotton. Uh, Such an intriguing series, um, you know, coming up. And we're going to get into that a little bit. Just really interesting to see how this all plays out. And is Luka going to – is he enough to slay the mighty Warriors or are the Warriors getting ready to win another championship? Or maybe – it's, uh, you know, the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics. Hate to say that with the Boston Celtics, though. Cannot have that happen. We're going to go out to the Realty One Group listener line because Gangster Raider is on the line. How you doing, Gangster Raider? Hey, what's happening, um, Vinny? I'm feeling good. About to come to town in a few hours. Celebrate All right. my son's That's birthday right. tomorrow. Happy birthday. You know what I'm saying? You, you invited out. Anybody want to come out, we'll be at the Raiders Tavern and Grill tomorrow at 6 p.m. All right. Celebrate my son's little G's birthday. Safe travels, my friend. Yeah, yeah, as far as the um, rankings and stuff, I think 13 is perfect. We're going to be bad luck for the whole rest of the NFL. <laughs> I like and that. They, and they all fearing us, you know what I'm saying? Even though everybody want to put Div in front of us because they got Russell Wilson, they forget they they lost their best tight end, and they lost a, lo- a few other key pieces just to get him, but they still ranking him in front of him. They're still ranking him in front of us, but we, got, um, we still got our tight end that was better than the one they had anyway, you know what I'm saying? And so um, – the Chargers, everybody, they all scared of us. Even the um, the um, so-called um, pundits on TV, they all scared of us too. But they trying to, you know, downplay it. They know we better than the Chargers because we beat them last year. The Chargers know it too. That's why they went out and got Khalil Mack and the other little quarterback, KC, CK, or whatever, JC, whatever his name is. That's why they went out and got him because they know they need them to beat us. Everybody fears us, even Kansas City. That's why they went and drafted all those DBs because they know they need to be ready for us. You know what I'm saying? So don't worry about the rankings or whatever. I laugh at it when I'm seeing them. You know, and they try to they do that to try to irritate themselves too, because they know Raider Nation is large, and they know um, if they you know damn players, it's gonna irritate us, get us all in the feelings. But I just laugh, just laugh at it. You know what I'm saying? Wait for the special. That's why I'm glad we start off against the Chargers, because once we snap the Chargers in their mouth. You know what I'm saying? Then we start off 2-0, and and then when we um, beat the Broncos, too, we'll be 2-0 in the division. Then what they going to say? They can't say nothing. You know what I'm saying? But that's how it's going to go down. Everybody just get ready for a fabulous, glorious season because we're the notorious, also glorious Raider Nation, and we're going to return to greatness. i see you all tomorrow. Keep it gangster. we give it to you one time like this. All right. Wow. Hey, uh, safe travels uh, and happy birthday to you and your son. Uh, have a great time and an enjoyable time here in Las Vegas before we get out of here uh, up against it right now. But here it is. Buffalo Bills, number one, Packers, number two, Rams, number three, Chiefs, number four, Buccaneers, number five, Cowboys, number six. Not so sure about that. Chargers, number seven, Colts, number eight, Ugh. Cardinals, number nine, Browns, number 10, Ugh. Ravens, number 11, Ugh. Broncos, number 12, the Vikings, number 13, and uh, I lied to you guys. The Raiders are number 14, not number 13. So what do you think? 
The Broncos, the Ravens, the Browns, the Cardinals, the Colts, the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Packers, the Bills, all 13 of those teams are better than the Raiders. What do you think about that, Raider Nation? Honestly, what do you think about that? I, I'm i not so uh, opposed to where they're ranked, but I think some of the teams that are ranked ahead of them, I don't know. I think that some of those teams are getting a little overplayed right now. Give us a call. Uh, and let us know what you think. 702-365-9200. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday.